picture kept coming to my mind, and it was a stage. It wasn't this one, but it was a stage, and there was a um, there was a curtain over a part of the stage, and um, I kept felt like something's missing. <laughs> That's what it felt like. I just said, "Lord, what is that?" And I I think what the Lord said is something's missing. I want to say something, but you got to open the curtain. Um, the thing is, I don't have the thing to say. I mean, I got a bunch to say over here, but for this part, it's not me. It's somebody here. That's my sense. So I could be completely wrong, but I sense that the Lord's given somebody a word of encouragement specifically this morning, some sort of encouragement uh, uh, to the body or maybe to a group of people here. And so if that's you and you have any idea what I'm talking about, would you be bold and come up? Because I think there's some sort of encouragement here. Okay, great. John. Test. I was standing back there, and uh, and I had the words come open mic. Need an open mic. Hmm. Um, uh, I have a little testimony to give. Um, I have a, and this is very positive. So, <laughs> I have a nephew that uh, four weeks ago was put into the hospital. He uh, is 29 years old. He has drug addictions and alcohol addictions. Uh, lives in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, he was put into the hospital after being passed out on the floor for 36 hours, and his uh, girlfriend woke up, realized that he was uh, in bad shape, tried to awake him, called the ambulance. They took him to the hospital, straight into critical care. Um, the doctors did all the blood tests. Uh, his kidneys were shut down. His liver was shut down, a uh, combination of cocaine and alcohol, and uh, immediately got the call. We started praying, had other people around us start to pray. And prayers by others for you are much stronger than prayers for you, for yourself. Okay? Um, and the, uh, the chart, uh, my sister read the chart to me, and she said, kidneys are gone. They, with this level of chemicals in them, they'll never recover. And uh, she, my sister, thought, well, I'll give him a kidney, you know, to save his life. Uh, they put him on dialysis. He went through the whole dialysis process. Um, and then uh, two weeks later, the kidneys came back 100%. Wow. 100%. And um, he, in turn, uh, we had uh, their pastor there. He, in turn, re he, he was saved when he was very young. But he recommitted his life to the Lord. And he said he's scared straight. <laughs> so uh, for those of you that may have a family member or yourselves have some sort of an addiction, understand that the power of Jesus can take away that addiction and replace it with his love. And we're still praying for that for him because he's going through, you know, rehab right now. And we need the church's prayers, please, for Michael Felice is his name, Michael Felice. Um, we need those prayers for him to have a complete healing. His body's completely healed now, but he has to have to have a complete healing of that mind. Um, so we need to replace that with the, the love of God and a new addiction to a life with the Lord. Yeah, that's great, John. Let's pray for that now. Why don't you stay up here? Father, thank you for that testimony. We're so thankful, God, for your grace and your mercy. 
never fails us. And we ask for Michael in the name of Jesus that you would complete this healing, that he would uh, each morning wake up and look at his body and feel it working and know that you're a God who brings things back from the dead. We ask for your grace upon him, your complete healing, and Lord, for the testimony of love and power that will go through him to those around him. We pray for John and, and the Wingfields and ask for your grace upon them and their extended family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. <laughs> That's good. Good thing we opened the curtain. Okay. That's great. All right. <clears throat> well, it's, um, you're going to think when you hear the message that I planned that. <laughs> so I'm just telling you up front, I didn't. <laughs> I want to I just put a little uh, highlight on the women's um, conference announcement because uh, I don't know. I don't, you didn't mention who was actually speaking at any point. Yeah. Um, uh, at least two main speakers in that uh, conference. One is Lori Orender, who's from here, and you guys know her. She's a shy, timid person <laughs> who hears from God. Uh, she's got a, a, a strong uh, gift to exhort. And the other uh, main speaker is Diane Lehman. Uh, Diane Lehman is the pastor of... Uh, is one of the pastors at the Vineyard Church in Champaign, Urbana, Illinois, and is also on the National Board of the Vineyard, an incredible speaker. She spoke at our last National Vineyard Pastors Conference, and uh, I personally have never in 15, 18 years with the Vineyard seen that kind of response by the Holy Spirit and in people. I mean, there were 4,000 people there. About 80% of them were crammed to the front because the Lord had spoken. So um, I just think you want to be there. So uh, if you are a woman or you know one, uh, either come or encourage that one that you know. I just think it's funny that uh, Diane's uh, husband's name, he's the other pastor of the church. His name is Happy. His name is Happy Layman. He's a pastor at a vineyard church in Champaign. (laughs) He's put all those things together and... It's funny for people who like words like me. Okay. Um, okay. Was there something else? Yes. Okay. Um, would you like to receive a gift? Okay. You're about to receive a gift. Close your eyes. Put your hands out like this. Well, like this. Open your eyes to see what this is. Okay. Close your eyes. <laughs> if anybody's not here, please raise their hand. Okay. Okay. Um, Close your eyes, put your hands out. Okay, now I just want you to take a a real significant deep breath. Just take a deep breath and hold it in for a few seconds. And let it out. You're welcome. That was your gift. That was God giving you the very breath of life. That was God releasing into you his peace. And I just think sometimes it's helpful for us to, remi- to, to remember that as we walk through life with some of the anxiety that Pam talked about, some of the, the fear, some of the sense of responsibility that we carry around with us, that it's good for us to remember that every breath, even those ones we sometimes take for granted, is a gift from God. And that is just like his grace. You can't escape it. It's there. It's waiting for you in the next moment. Like Pam's great word that God gave through pain this morning, that God's grace is waiting ahead of you. It's right upon you and it comes behind you and surrounds you. And that's the the gift of God to those who are his in Christ. So um, 
Let's pray. Father, thank you for that gift of breath. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you that, uh, Jesus, you said that we could trust in you. That we could believe in you. That though there would be troubles and tribulation in life, in this world, that you have overcome the world. And we thank you for the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit, the breath of God within us. And ask that as we look to the scriptures this morning, that that same spirit that inspired these words would uh, illuminate our minds and our hearts and would inspire and empower us to live out that gift of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. We celebrated uh, last Sunday, Easter, Resurrection Day. And I I just wanted to follow up uh, that Easter message this morning with uh, this reality. The resurrection of Jesus is, is not just the power of God on one day for us. The reality of the resurrection of Jesus is not just a, a one-day affair. It is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. It is the reality of the resurrection that actually empowers the dreams and the visions that God's given to us in our lives. And so I want to ask you this morning to consider this Easter faith of yours, this He is risen He has risen indeed faith and recognize that that's not just one happy day of celebration, but that reality really is the power that enables you to walk through the everyday parts of your life, the difficult parts of your life, the challenges and the realities that though Jesus is risen, sits in heaven, we live in a broken earth. And we live with challenge and difficulty. So I want to encourage you this morning to apply your Easter faith today. Because he lives our dreams and our visions. Those things that God's put in us to do on the earth, they can live too. How many of you, you, this is a rhetorical question, okay? I'm wondering, how many of you have gotten a clear indication there's something God wants you to do with your life? You've, given a, you've been given a vision. It's a dream. I'm not just talking about a ministry type thing. Sometimes I think that in the church we can elevate ministry callings above somehow other callings, as if there was some other call of God that's lower than this call to stand up here. Every single person here this morning has been given a call from God. Each one that's listened to Jesus, he's given you a call. He's put a dream, a vision in your mind. It might be ministry. It might be business. It might be education or art or who knows what or sales. You've heard God. God's given you a dream. He's given you a vision. And my sense is that each and every one of us experience the challenge sometimes to that dream or to that vision. And I, and I don't know why that surprises us. I mean, if we look uh, in, the, in the world around us, if we look in music, If we look in literature, we look in the Bible, we look in the lives of every person we know, there are those kind of uh, major chords, those positive, you know, the happy notes of life. And then there are those minor chords, the difficulties. You see it in the Bible. There is this major theme in the Bible of victory, redemption, power, joy. But you can't go too many verses in the Bible without coming to that minor chord that runs through the scriptures, that minor theme, 
which is difficulty, which is sometimes discouragement, which is sometimes suffering, which needs an application of faith. It's a reality in every life that we can we can know the reality of the love and the joy of Jesus and salvation and empowerment. But that needs to carry us through those difficult times in life. It gets troubling when we major on the minor. But if we don't think about the minor, if I if you just come in and I give you a happy clappy, everything is great. No problems in the world message. I've got I'm I'm disconnected from reality. If you've ever watched who's ever watched a movie. okay? I'm speaking to almost everyone. Okay, if you've ever watched a movie and uh, you get into the movie and you're you're looking forward to it, you're watching it. And, you know, it starts off happy, right? Good things. You know, the the main character, things are going well. Everything's good. You know, goes along for a while. What inside what's going on in you? You're thinking, all right, when when. When does it happen? You know, when does the musical score change? When is the contemplative moment? You know, oh, this is where he's going to have an accident. Oh, probably he's going to give up and quit right now. Oh, he's going to have a bad dream. Some terrible thing's going to happen right now. Right. And you prepare for that. And have you ever been to a movie where it never happens? Like you're going through and you don't want it to happen. Right. Inside, none of us want tragedy. But we we're expecting it to come. And if you go through a whole movie and there's no challenge, there's no discouragement, there's no need for an application of faith. You get out of the movie and you think, what a dumb movie. (laughs) It's a dumb movie because it's not reality. I mean, what we long for, God's made us like this. We understand we don't necessarily long for trouble, but we long for redemption in the midst of it. And so when you see a movie like that, it doesn't connect with you because you think that's not real. Nobody lives like that. Even Disney movies have troubles, right? Because that is our real life. We have the vision from God. We have the dream. We have the thing that's positive and powerful that we're called to. But then there is the challenge to that dream or vision. There is, for some of us, honestly, many of us, the apparent death. Or the actual death of that dream or that vision. Because without loss and challenge, there is no redemption. Without hope deferred, without faith needing to be engaged, without love being challenged, there's no sense of the reality of the world because the world brings brokenness. I don't want to focus on brokenness and discouragement today, but I want to put it out there as the reality and say that this morning, one week after Easter, The joy and the power of Jesus having risen is what carries us through the apparent or the actual deaths of our own dreams and visions. I'm going to ask you to apply your Easter faith to the rest of your life this morning. Because it is real life. Because death, Jesus showed us this, is the gateway to resurrection life. Death is the gateway to resurrection life. You know, there's no such thing as a resurrection without a death, right? It would be called a resuscitation. And then we would have resuscitation Sunday. All right. (laughs) But that's not the reality. In order for the power of the resurrection to be visibly experienced, there has to be a death. Jesus didn't want it. I mean, Jesus is in the garden. He's like, God, serious. Could there be another way? Is there some other way that I could give them the power 
of, of, of life eternal to walk through their difficulties, to beat the challenges of their deaths and their dreams and visions being challenged and even dying. And the Lord apparently says, no, they've got to see that the gateway to resurrection life is death. And I'm going to ask you to consider accepting that this morning, not celebrating that. We don't celebrate the terrible thing that happened to Jesus. We celebrate the fact that God redeemed it, that Jesus was willing to show us love to even give himself to bleed and to die. The only one in the world who didn't deserve it. And so I'm going to take a few minutes this morning. I'm going to sort of track this theme through the Bible for this reason, so that our Easter faith, he is risen, can empower us in the everyday living, in the everyday joy when the major chords of God's grace are all over us and through the difficult days when the minor chords of suffering and challenge are making it feel like, you know what, maybe my dreams are not going to live. Maybe my vision is not going to come to pass. Can you think, uh, again, rhetorical question, can you think of a person in the Bible whose dream either didn't die or look an awful lot like it? Now, I won't give you the scriptures here, but just sort of run through the Old Testament quickly. Abraham. God says to Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. <clears throat> my, my 16-year-old son, at the, after the first service, he said, Dad, I, don't, I think you said God told Abraham he was going to be the father of many Asians. <laughs> and I realized I'm not as eloquent as I think I am. God said to Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. And here's what Abraham's thinking. I mean, at the very least, he's thinking, I get a kid. I get a son. Someone will continue my legacy on earth. And how many years go by? About 99. <laughs> Until Abraham, you know, realizes God's actually going to do it. That dream for Abraham and Sarah was dead. That's what the scripture says. They were essentially dead, unable to conceive unable for the promise and the vision and the dream to be realized. Joseph, in, in Genesis 50 or somewhere around there, Joseph gets this literal dream. God gives him a dream. And in the dream, his, uh, his father and his brothers are bowing to him. So Joseph, if you don't know the story, he was the peon of the family, also the favorite. The brothers didn't like that. They made it hard for him, threw him in a pit, sold him as a slave. But Joseph has this dream. There will be a day when I will stand over my family. I will lead them. And yet the dream dies in the pit and as a slave and in prison. Brought to almost death. Before the promise comes about. Moses gets this call from God at the burning bush. You know, I'm going to do a great thing through you. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. You're going to deliver the people of Israel. And Moses is probably thinking, cool, I'm pretty much hot stuff. And then all of a sudden, Moses, uh, having thought he knew how to make the dream happen, fulfill his own vision, takes matters into his own hands and ends up 40 years in the desert with stinky sheep. The dream apparently gone and dead, at the very least challenged. David gets this dream, this vision of leadership. David, again, the youngest in the family. David, not even invited to when the big prophet comes into town to find out who's going to be anointed as the next king. And they drag him from the fields. 
And the prophet says, you're the next one. And David's got to be thinking, it's about time I got recognized in this family. (laughs) And what happens? The very king who he's meant to replace, the king that David has pledged his life to serve, goes crazy and tries to murder him. And David goes into a time in the wilderness, a time of running for his life, having to wonder, God, I thought you spoke. There was the dream. There was the vision. Everybody saw it. I thought it was clear. Jesus himself has this dream, this vision, this calling to bring life to to men and to women. And God tells him the way to life is death. The disciples on the road to Emmaus, remember them? Uh, A couple of guys, you know, after the crucifixion, they're walking along the road to Emmaus. Jesus shows up in their midst, the resurrected Christ. They don't know it's him. And they start telling him what has happened. And there's a great line in the scriptures where I think it's in Luke, where um, one of the disciples says to Jesus, not knowing who who it is, he says, but we had hoped that this would be the one who would deliver Israel. So they had this hope. I mean, this guy was looking good, saying the right things, you know, preaching well. Miracles were attesting his ministry. And then he dies. And the disciples on the road to Emmaus are, but God, how could you let the dream go? How could you let the vision go? Peter, you know, who was uh, the bold disciple. um, I think they say Peter's instructions, you know, every time he opened his mouth, it was so he could insert his foot. He's, uh, uh, Ed Alice, one of our uh, elders, uh, always used to say, he's a ready, fire, aim type of a guy. Peter, just bold out there. You know, challenge, cut off his ear. You know, that's, that's Peter's idea. <laughs> Peter is the one who says to Jesus, Jesus, I don't know if anyone else will do this, but I'll follow you anywhere. I will never leave. It's me and you. I'm with you to the end. And Peter's dream of faithfulness His vision of that kind of love and commitment dies at the fire the night of the crucifixion when he doesn't even have the guts to admit to a servant girl, I know the guy. And I wonder if there's a dream or a vision in your life. Maybe it's a calling. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a, a, a desire. Maybe it's a marriage or a relationship that you feel like is really getting challenged right now. It's not looking good. It's ailing. It's feeling like death is imminent. Where is your dream now? Is it, is it in its process? Do you feel the joy? Is it coming to pass? Does it, does it look a lot different than you thought it would? Is it taking a lot longer than you imagined? Are people that you would think would be supportive of you contesting it right now? Are you beginning to wonder, was it even God in the first place? Is it alive but on hold? Is it dying? Do you feel this morning like it's dead? Think about the convictions, the core virtues of our faith. (laughs) Our faith. Faith is one of them. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Read through Hebrews 11, and it's all these people of great faith. The implication of faith is that what you know will happen is not happening. What you can't see is a reality. That's that's what faith is all about. And that's why God calls us to faith, because when it comes to living out our dreams and our visions, not the stuff that lifts us up, the stuff we really think God's called us to, 
But God, you'll be glorified when. But God, many people would hear about you if. Faith has to be applied when that thing that we think is God's calling is nowhere in sight. Hope is living as if that thing is really going to happen, even if it's not happening right now. That's why despair, for the, for the follower of Jesus, despair is such a dangerous attack of the enemy. Because you know what despair is? Definition of despair. You put your faith in the unfulfillment of your dream. Despair is really taking faith and applying it to death rather than life. And I'll tell you, if, if you're here this morning and you're just on the brink of or have dove into are swimming around in despair this morning, God wants to pull you out. God wants to pull you out. He, he's reaching out his arm this morning and he says, you don't have to swim in despair. Faith is available to you. Hope is available to you. And it is the love of Christ that calls to you. We have to cooperate when it comes to getting rid of despair. We have to say, God, though I don't see it and though I don't experience it, I will not follow the enemy down the road of believing that it will never happen. I will turn my eyes and my ears from the enemy, look back to and listen to you, God, and I'm going to walk the walk of faith, knowing that you're ahead and around and behind and within. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what God calls us to. That's our gift as believers. We're called to faith and to hope because despair will tempt us along the way of seeing our dreams and our visions, our callings lived out. Praise God that our faith is not only in the future. Our hope is not just reserved for heaven. Our love actually does win on earth Sometimes, So you go back to those people I described. Abraham did become the father of many nations, more than he ever imagined. It was just year 99 when death was, seemed like it was crystal clear. Joseph did uh, lead his family. They did bow before him. He did bring salvation to them, but he did it by way of prison and the pit of despair, literally. Moses did uh, see the people of God delivered from Pharaoh. He did it through his own fear. He did it with the help of people around him. And he did it in a very humble manner, humbled by 40 years messing with sheep. David did lead the people of Israel. He did build the house of praise. He did see the temple of the Lord come about. But David's life was often marked by scandal, suffering, and sin. There were a lot of deaths in David's life on the way to resurrection life. Because sometimes death is the gateway to resurrection life. Death is the place we have to go through so that we can actually experience the power of the resurrection. Jesus did conquer death, but only after coming as the suffering servant. Peter did follow Jesus and he did bring the gospel to the Gentiles. It's because of him that we hear and know the, the message of Jesus. But he did it with humility after having to confess his failure and come face to face with the risen Jesus who asked him, Peter, do you love me? Three times. And Peter says, you know I do. And the Lord says, feed my sheep. Give what I've given to you away. And he does it with the humility 
and the power of the resurrection life after the death of his dream and his vision. And each one of those people was humbled by God with what seemed like death. And in each case, in those scriptures that I pointed out, the eventual fulfillment of the dream or the vision looked a lot different than they thought it would. Looked a lot different than they ever imagined. Because on the other side of death, you know who gets the glory for the realization of a dream or a vision? It's God. <laughs> it's the humble person who says, I botched this over and over, but God brought it back from the dead. There's a place in your life today where you're being humbled by the difficulty, the even apparent death of a dream or vision. I'm encouraging you this morning that that death, if you're willing to accept it and walk through that doorway, is the gateway to resurrection life, to the power of the resurrection in and through your life. You know, uh, it's a beautiful poem that Marco uh, read this morning. He wrote and read. I was thinking about it. We, we want a crown of glory. I mean, that's what we all want, right? Nobody here wants a crown of ashes. We want a crown of glory. We want a crown that says unvarnished victory. We want to walk, go through life victorious like that. But the gift of God to the people of God is a crown of ashes. Because with a crown of ashes, that's through death to life. With a crown of ashes, we remember what Jesus did for us. And with a crown of ashes, we have a heart for, we can feel for the poor and the neglected, the lost, the downtrodden that we prayed for this morning. Because we know that not only are we them sometime, but we certainly were them. And with a crown of ashes, we actually walk around in the world as a symbol of redemption. We walk around as living Easter stories. You know, I thought it was dead. And God did the amazing. He brought it back to life. We cannot bring our own dreams and visions to pass. If you are desperately struggling in your own strength to make that dream or vision come about, today's the day to say, just like Pam said in her word, God, I'm taking my hands off of it. It doesn't mean that you don't cooperate with God. It doesn't mean that action isn't required. But we pull ourselves out of the CEO seat of that dream and vision. And we say, okay, God, I'm going to do what you say. And I'm going to do it your way, no matter what it looks like to the world and no matter what it feels like to me. <clears throat> because death is required to enter resurrection life. One of my favorite uh, devotionals is, uh, I've talked about it before, it's My Utmost for His Highest. It's by... Um, uh, Oswald Chambers. Um, it's hard sometimes. I mean, this guy beats the heck out of you most days. Um, it's some, sometimes the language is hard. Sometimes you'll read it and you'll be really convicted. Sometimes you'll be angry. Sometimes you think, I have no idea what he's talking about. <clears throat> but, but this one applies. This uh, is July the 6th. It's a thing you go through every year, July the 6th. And he calls it vision in reality. The scripture he places on the top of it is Isaiah 35, 7, which says the parched ground shall become a pool. Anybody feel like the dream or the vision God's given you? It's a dream, a vision of abundance of, you know, flowing water and streams and gardens. And you feel like a parched pool. 
He says this, we always have visions before a thing is made real. And when we realize that all the vision, although the vision is real, it's not real in us. Then is the time that Satan comes in with his temptations. And we're apt to say it's no use to go on. Instead of the vision becoming real, there has come the valley of humiliation. God gives us the vision. Then he takes us down to the valley to batter us into the shape of the vision. I told you he was a little bit militant. (laughs) And it is in the valley that so many of us faint and give away. Every vision will be made real if we will have patience. Think of the enormous leisure of God. He's never in a hurry. Think about all those people I spoke about in the Bible. They're all in a hurry to make the dream and the vision happen. And God's perfectly willing to wait 30, 40, 99 years to see his will happen in his way. In the light of the glory of the vision, we go forth to do things, but the vision is not real in us yet. And God has to take us into the valley and put us through fires and floods to batter us into shape until we get to the place where he can trust us with the veritable reality. Ever since we had the vision, God has been at work getting us into the shape of the ideal. And over and over again, we escape from his hand and try to batter ourselves into our own shape. The vision is not a castle in the air, but a vision of God wants you to be, of what God wants you to be. Let him put you on his wheel and whirl you as he likes. And as sure as God is God and you are you, you will turn out exactly in accordance with the vision. Don't lose heart in the process. If you have ever had the vision of God, you may try as you like to be satisfied on a lower level, but God will never let you. Because God has such a love for us and such a desire to cooperate with us in the realization of our dreams and our visions so that he gets the glory and not us. It's kind of the, uh, the upside down nature of the kingdom. John 12, Jesus is speaking and he says, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Well, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Jesus says, whoever, uh, whoever serves me must follow me. I mean, get the implication. They don't know. The disciples don't know what this means yet. They think, sure, we'll follow you. We're riding into Jerusalem on white horses. Beat the heck out of the enemy, right? What Jesus is saying is, you've got to follow me, and I'm going to the cross. But praise God, we get to follow him through death at the cross to the tomb on Easter morning. He says, you'll get to be with me there too, to see life, resurrection life, now and for eternity. I just wonder this morning if, as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and he's highlighted in your life some dream, some vision, and you're just wondering about the life of it right now. It looks like life is running out. Or you're afraid that maybe it will at some time. Are you in the valley of humiliation today? Are you standing right there at the cross, seeing the whole thing gone? 
Or you, you feel it within your heart, but I had hoped, I had thought. You know, Jesus' mission was never uh, mitigated by death. Death was never a problem for Jesus. Bill Johnson, pastor in California, says, Jesus screwed up every funeral he ever came to. Because death could never get in the way in the mission, to, the, to the mission of Jesus. So even death, the apparent or the actual death of what you're experiencing right now, your Easter faith applied says this, God, this death is not too big for you. This barrier is not too large. If the very death of the Son of God could not beat the plan of God, then the death of your dream or vision, the apparent death, the challenge, whether it's your calling, it's your work, it's your aspirations, it's your marriage that you thought would be this way and it's turned out this way, even the apparent death of that will never thwart the plan of God for your life. All he asks is like Jesus speaking in Mark 5 to, to Jairus, whose daughter you know, was just about to die. And Jairus comes to Jesus. My daughter's about to die. She lay dying. But I believe you can bring her. You can heal her. And in the process of his own prayer to Jesus, the, the actual death occurs. And Jesus responds to Jairus. Though his, wife, though his daughter is dead, do not be afraid. Only believe. And at that moment, the, the, the apparent, the death of Jairus' dream, his vision, his love, is completely changed and transformed. It's through death that he experiences resurrection life. And that's God's plan and his gift and his calling for us as a people. Let's pray. The communion servers can come forward. We'll, we'll prepare for communion. <clears throat> Lord God, thank you that we with eyes of faith can look at the door of death and realize that it leads to resurrection life. Both for our dreams in this life and into eternity as your children. And we thank you that there is no power on earth, no force even death that can stop the plan, the mission of Jesus in us and through us into the world. And we ask, God, that you would embolden us and release in us again the Easter faith that celebrates not just with joy, but communicates to, to the world the faith and the hope of resurrection life after death. Lord, let us be those people that walk into the world through the minor chords and, com and continually trumpet the victory and the joy and the hope of resurrection power. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Say to Jesus, I surrender all, because maybe you haven't understood yet in life that he surrendered all for you, that his death on the cross was payment for your sins, and that his resurrection from the dead is the power of God that he wants to put into your life that your dreams and visions can be realized in this life, but also that the dream of friendship with God can be realized now and through eternity. If it's you this morning and this is the day you realize, I've got to get to know God. I've got to give my life to Jesus. I need that forgiveness and power. Then I would just ask as we close tonight, if you'd like to come forward, we'll have a ministry team up in front. We would love to talk to you, pray with you, 
and um, help you to see and to meet Jesus for the first time. If uh, you'd like prayer this morning, we'll have a ministry team up here. Be happy to pray for you. Things related to the message or uh, physical healing in your body, emotional, spiritual issues, maybe marriages. We need to pray for some marriages this morning. We would love to do that. So if the ministry team can come forward, I'll pray for us. God, thank you for your great grace upon us. Thank you, God, for your uh, work on our behalf. Thank you, Jesus, that death does not get in the way of your plan. In our lives and through our lives, we pray for the grace to walk out with great faith this morning. The resurrection life that you've given to us. Lord, send us into the world with that kind of joy and power to spread the good news of the resurrection of Jesus everywhere we go. We pray in his name. Amen. If you'd uh, like prayer, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you. Otherwise, go in peace to love and serve the Lord and have a great day.